Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hi, Waiting Warriors. Welcome to another week. This week we have, I think we're going to talk about something a little bit different that we haven't talked about. I don't think we talk about it enough um, because I don't think we think about it super often, but we'll get to that in a second. This week we have Wendy. She works several part-time jobs that align with motherhood. She's a group fitness instructor. She's a freelance writer. She's the founder of the blog Strength for Spouses, which everybody should go check out. And she is a breast pump ambassador. I had to practice that like five times. It gets all tongue tied. (laughs) But her spouse also has been in the army for 10 years. So welcome, Wendy. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Mm -hmm. Oh, and she has a rainbow baby and he's a very cute baby. (laughs) Oh, thank you. He's a cute little baby. Um, so speaking of rainbow baby, you just had your baby. He's only six months old, and yet your husband's been in the army for ten years. What has that been like to be in the military with no children? Is there mm-hmm. is there or has there for you been some sort of barrier with that? Well, I mean, I've felt at times being a couple without children for so long that, um, you know, that we were looked at as less than as a military family, or maybe sometimes not even considered mm. an actual family. Um, and it, it has felt that way in, in several different situations. Um, so it's, you know, it can be quite isolating sometimes because the military world definitely has a lot of children in it and there's nothing (laughs) wrong with that. That's a great thing. However, for couples who are in the struggle to have a child or couples who have not gotten there yet, or just decided we're not ready for children yet. Um, you know, it it can be a little bit of a tough world at times. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to start off by just saying, you know, that I love children um, it's not that I did, didn't before I had a child. Um, it's just that when you don't have children, you don't want to spend all of your free time with your spouse in situations with kids all the time. Um, just so you know, so, that's a hundred percent okay because neither do I. And I have to, <laughs> like, like oh. we can just, if we can just have this understanding that children are a huge blessing and they are awesome. But they're also, I mean, they are children. They are not adults. Their brains aren't developed. They're, I mean, children bring on a whole slew of social implications. So if we can just understand that, all the listeners, like, it's 100% okay to not want to be around them 24-7. Because I love my children to death, and I don't want to be around them 24-7. So it's okay. <laughs> Mama needs a break sometimes. That's yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, I have been in the military world with my spouse for six of his 10 years in service. And he had just finished um, serving his first contract when he met me. 
So, so we've been a part of the life for six years. And, um, in that time before we had a child, um, you know, like I said, it just kind of sometimes would feel like, you know, we're not welcome in certain situations because we didn't have children Mm -hmm. or, um, we're maybe not considered a real military family until we had children or, or something along those lines. And, and I think others without children, um, can definitely relate with their, some of those things. And the biggest thing for us is, you know, during that time was just really trying to find other people like us out there. And that is, is sometimes a little bit difficult to do. Um, but it, when you do find some others who are either in the same struggle or, um, you know, who don't have children yet, things like that, it's, and you know, you know, it's a lot better. It makes your um, experience a lot better to find others in, in that same um, situation, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. What were some things that people did that made you feel that way? And, and I don't want it to be like feel gossipy or anything like that, but I just, I know so many times with a whole bunch of things, it's like, I don't even know what I'm doing is wrong because and I would hope that most people aren't ill-intended. So mm-hmm. just so like we can understand how we can better interact and love on our couples that are don't have kids. Um, I think really making sure that couples without children feel welcome to events and things like that. Um, a lot of times with family day events, they're very kid centric. And when you don't have children and you're kind of forced to go to those things, <laughs> it, it's like, okay, well, why don't you have a spot where I can bring my dog or, or, mm-hmm. you know, have something, you know, some couples games or some things like that, that are not kid centric would be great for other couples and make them feel, um, make them feel like they're welcome and that that they've been thought of and they weren't an afterthought and planning purposes. And I think another thing that happened a couple of years ago at Fort Bragg here where I'm stationed at is my husband and I were nominated for family of the year here and we made it to the top 10. This was in 2018. We made it to the top 10 and we looked at the top 10 and everybody had children except for us and maybe one other family. And so I looked at that in two different ways. I looked at that like, you know, wow, this is like really making some strides because we're showing the military community that we're still a family, even though it's just my husband and I and, and our dog. Mm-hmm. And then seeing other, another family like that up there with us, just, it gave me a peace of mind to know that we were put into that category with others as well. So I thought that made some big leaps and bounds in my mind that um, all couples with and without children are considered a military family. So that that was great. And that made us feel really super, super wonderful. And we hope that that would inspire, um, you know, in those situations to to still consider couples as a family and you know, our life might not be quite as stressful because we didn't have littles running around, but we still had, you know, stressors of military life and things like that. too. Yeah. 
Did you ever feel like people were saying that your military experience wasn't hard or as hard because you didn't have kids? I felt that way sometimes, or I felt disinvited to things with people that had children. Um, no. That I wouldn't be invited to stuff because I didn't have a child. Maybe, maybe they thought it would be awkward to invite me, or <laughs> I don't know. But I, I think for couples without children, you know, invite them and see what happens. And then also in planning purposes, do some things that just involve a couple that way they feel welcome or, you know, and I know inviting animals to different social situations can be kind of tricky because you don't know how people's animals are going to react, but maybe, you know, being a little bit more pet friendly, dog friendly that way, because people without children usually have a pet and that is their child. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would make them feel more welcome too. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so interesting because Again, I like I would never intentionally exclude somebody, but as you're talking, it's like, oh yeah, every event that I ever put on or anytime I host things at my home, it's kid central. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it's okay, well, we have this for the kids and then the adults will just talk. But even just having something more planned for the adults just yeah. creates that more inclusive environment. I hadn't thought of that. That's a good, good point. Um, so I know that you, you haven't had kids, but you have been trying for so long. What has that mm -hmm. journey with infertility been like? Because I, I know that's super difficult to begin with, but I, I also know that like working with any sort of army system is super <laughs> difficult to deal with. So has, how has that experience been for you? Well, my husband and I, after we got married, um, because we're older and we're, we got married very late in life. And, um, it's kind of like, all right, we need to figure out this baby thing and, and go ahead and get started. So we did, um, started trying for children right after we got married. And, um, you know, we tried religiously for like a year and nothing happened. And so I started asking my doctor some questions thinking that mm -hmm. something might be wrong with me. And, um, you know, she told me to follow an ovulation calendar and gave me a few pointers. And so I was like, okay. And I never imagined myself kind of being one of those people, like, you know, going by those things to the T to try <laughs> to get pregnant. And so I just, I'm kind of one of those people like, okay, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And so after that doctor's appointment, the next month, I looked at my husband, I looked at the calendar and was like, well, according to this, this is like the prime time to have a baby. And I just kind of laughed it off, like whatever. Um, because I just, again, I never wanted to be that person having to look at calendars and do this and that to have a baby. So we laughed it off and, um, you know, a month later, I was late on my cycle and we were pregnant and I couldn't believe it because I, I seriously thought something was wrong with me and my system. And so we were just so excited about that pregnancy and just the light on my husband's face when I told him and um, we told some people close to us. And so 
a couple weeks after that, my husband had to go away TDY for about, he was going to be gone for a couple of weeks and he was going to miss the very first doctor's appointment where we got to see the baby on the ultrasound. So mm. I didn't really want to go by myself. So my mom went with me. And so after meeting with the nurse for an hour, almost talking about congratulations, you're pregnant. Um, here's how to take care of yourself mm. and the baby and loaded me down with a bunch of paperwork. Then we go into the ultrasound room. I get my husband on FaceTime. They put the um, wand on there and we see the little baby on the screen. My husband and I are so excited. And then all of a sudden the ultrasound tech said, I'll be right back. And I kind of thought something might be wrong. I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. And she brings a doctor back and the doctor looks around and the doctor tells me, you know what? Nobody ever wants to hear when they're pregnant. There was no heartbeat. And I was just so shocked because I had no, um, I had no inclination that anything was even wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the night before I didn't sleep really well and I had a headache, but I was like, I felt like some of those might be symptoms of a pregnancy. And I told myself, like, put your big girl panties on. You're <laughs> pregnant now. You're going to have lots yeah. of these symptoms. So, you know, that's kind of how I dealt with it. But I, I didn't have any bleeding. I didn't have any symptoms that anything was wrong with our baby. So it was just complete shock. And devastation and I had to go through the whole process with Red Cross to get my husband back home as soon as possible and um and after we got through that situation um and decided you know they gave me a couple choices at that point so that I wouldn't have infection in my body right and that was both choices were not great choices but but you had to decide so so after all of that my husband and I I wasn't even ready to try again for a while because I was just so, so devastated and just so, so depressed about it all. And um, when we did start trying again, we tried for, gosh, like at least almost two years before we ever got a pregnancy, a positive pregnancy test ever again. Mm -hmm. um, every month I would get my cycle. I just felt devastated all over again. Like it didn't work out this month, you know, mm -hmm. it was really, really a tough journey because, um, there's so much that you lose hope in when you go through a loss of a baby and trying again. And you feel like your body is kind of failing you. Like it's just not doing what it's meant to do. And, um, I did, we decided because, I had been diagnosed with a little postpartum depression after that loss, which I didn't know if I didn't birth a baby that I could have postpartum depression, but they said it, that I did. And yeah. I just, my husband and I decided that infertility um, treatments was just not for us. And I honestly, I couldn't even go to a doctor and I did not even want to face a doctor and then tell me like, Hey, I'm sorry, your body cannot have children. I just, I didn't think I could take another blow like that. So I didn't even go investigate anything. Yeah. Um, I decided, we decided as a, as a husband and wife that infertility was just not for us, that my emotions were already running crazy and depressed and everything. And I just I really just couldn't fathom and take another blow if it didn't work out in our favor. 
So what we decided to do is everything holistic. Um, another military spouse really inspired me to try acupuncture, which I did. And I found a really great person here in North Carolina who specialized in women's issues and infertility and went to him for that. And then I just kind of made sure that I was living a healthy life, exercising, eating right. Um, you know, we also finally, as a last resort, which should have been a first resort, was um, we finally went back to our faith and, and just put it in God's hands and finally got to a place of peace about our situation. We had gotten to a place after two years of trying after the loss that, you know, maybe it's just not in the cards for us. Um, and that was a really tough pill to swallow, but yeah. we swallowed it and, and just got at peace with it and said, well, maybe that's not how we're supposed to be parents. And maybe God has other plans for us. So we had decided, um, later in the year of 2018 that we were going to pursue becoming foster parents in 2019. And that was last year. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had lots of people praying for us and our, over our situation. And, and I have to mention this cause it's pretty, pretty powerful. Um, a lady at my aunt's church that she had told about our situation was praying for us and she'd never met us before. Mm -hmm. And she was just praying so, so faithfully and asked my aunt at church every day, every week, is Wendy pregnant yet? And my aunt would say, no, she's not. She said, don't you worry, it's going to happen. And she had the utmost faith in us. And every week she would ask, and she said, don't worry, it's going to happen by the end of the year. And um, in December of 2018, I was late on my cycle and I took a test and it was positive. Mm. And we couldn't believe it. It was absolutely a miracle after all those years of trying and getting nothing. All of a sudden we had our positive pregnancy test again, but that did not come with, with a lot of worry and we were excited, but we were also very cautious. Yeah. And, and the second time around, it took us a while to allow ourselves to get attached to the baby because we were afraid that loss could happen again. So, um, so yeah, so we were miraculously pregnant and, um, you know, this baby had a strong heartbeat from day one and every ultrasound, I, I couldn't go to an ultrasound appointment alone after what happened before. So my family and my husband, everybody, I always had somebody in that room with me the whole way through. And every time this baby and God showed up for us and his heartbeat was strong, and I cried every time because it was the most beautiful sound that I never got to hear before mm. with our baby before. So it was, it was quite a journey in pregnancy and, and I was 40 years old when I was pregnant last year. So, um, so age was something else to worry about along with the history of loss and, and everything. And so we had some fabulous doctors here in North Carolina and, I somehow made it through that pregnancy gloriously without any complication. And, um, I don't know how that was being 40 years old, high risk and in our situation, yeah. but, but God, I give it to God. And, and I prayed over myself and the baby and the anxiety I felt the whole way through. And, and it just, I can't even say anything, but it's just, just a miracle. And, 
And the biggest thing in sharing that story, and I'll share it over and over again, is is not only faith, but also hope. Yeah. Because it is so easy to lose hope on that journey. And it's really difficult to not be bitter sometimes. Um, you know, when you're in the wait for a baby, it's it's just it's a hard thing and it, it tests your faith in so many different ways. It did ours. Yeah. I just I'm like all teary eyed and stuff. It's just Me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so hard because like I, I know I haven't experienced a loss like that, but I know a lot of the anxieties we've had. Um two of our babies had like worrisome ultrasounds or whatever, um, while they were, while it was pregnant. And so we had to try those. So it's like, I've had that, I've had anxieties in my own way, but I just Mm -hmm. can't imagine. And my heart just goes out to all of you sweet women who have to endure that. Um, and I just, I just wish there was like more we could do to help. Yeah women through that. And I know like there are different ways we can be sensitive to the situation, but I just, I just want you and all the listeners to know that like my heart just, just longs for you so, so deeply. Um, I wish that wasn't a trial women had to go through at all. Yeah. It's, and there are women out there who have had more than one loss. I've yeah. had multiple losses and and I just can't can't fathom having to go through that type of thing more than once. Um I just I don't know. But the biggest thing the biggest thing is for these families, if you know a military family struggling or any family struggling to have a baby and they've been through losses, just pray for them hug them and love on them often and check on them often because we distance ourselves sometimes from situations, not because we don't care about our friends and care about people, but we don't want to cloud the joy of someone else when we're not feeling super hopeful and joyful ourselves. And I know I've done that a lot of times. I've politely declined baby showers after I lost a baby because I just couldn't go with a smile on my face. And I just didn't think I could fake smile my way through it that day. And I, you know, it's, it's just been really hard and every woman and how they deal with their grief is different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just don't be offended if they distance themselves or if they politely decline an invitation to a a birthday party or a baby shower or something like that. It's not because they don't care about your child. It's because maybe they're just too weak that day to, to smile through it. And they don't want to ruin your child's moment or your moment. They don't want to ruin that. So they politely keep themselves behind the scenes and, and away from those kind of situations if they're not strong enough to be there that day. And just, just, understand that and not hold it against them um, because it's it can be really hard sometimes and to be in certain situations when you're still heavy in grief and and trying to find your hope again 
Yeah. Were you guys open with people that were around you about what had happened and, and what were you guys were going through or like, obviously your family knew, but did people in your unit know, um, or like your commander, anything like that? Or was it just you guys were dealing with it on your own? Um, wow. I'm just curious if you, if, if you guys were open, cause I know, I know some people who are open, but then I, I know I've learned, you know, five years later of people going through similar things. Right. Um, well, my husband's command knew because I had to get him home through Red Cross right. message and they were just great to let him come home to, um, I believe someone in his unit had been through that with his wife and he was telling my husband, you, you've got to get home and you've got to take care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he knew what it felt like. And, um, you know, it's, it's more common than people think. However, there aren't always a lot of support systems during these situations. You're kind of like, you know, where do I even begin? What do mm-hmm. I do? Um, and so I had to go back to work after that. And I had to be in front of people when I just wanted to hide behind closed doors and hide away in, in my grief for a while. And I couldn't. Mm-hmm. So after women have a miscarriage, they don't get a whole lot of time to grieve that loss. And a lot of times they have to go back to work right away or take unpaid time off to grieve and to, after a miscarriage. So that can be especially difficult um, on an already difficult situation. But luckily, uh, the Today Show has created a hashtag Miscarriage Matters and a whole series of blog posts and interviews and things like that that bring awareness to issues like being able to grieve properly, um, having paid time off. I know some companies are really trying to honor that and putting in a policy mm-hmm. for women who have had miscarriages. So that's interesting to see and to see that kind of support um, getting some national attention out there. But um there's a lot of things that people can do to help someone who has had a miscarriage. There are things that people try to say and do that aren't so helpful and that can be a little hurtful. Um, mm-hmm. But really, I'm going to focus on the good things that people can do is um, just be in there for your friend who's suffered a miscarriage, pregnancy loss, um, holding their hand, letting them cry, giving them a hug. And not trying to say anything to fix the situation. When we see a friend or someone we love is hurting, we want to jump in there and fix it. And in this situation, there's really nothing that you can say or do that is going to fix it. So just knowing that you can be there without saying anything is the most helpful. Being a shoulder to cry on, um, bringing a meal, something like that. And, and if you have to say something, just say, you know what, I don't even know what to say right now, but I'm here for you. Or mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say, but I'm praying for you. And I can't imagine the pain that you feel. And I think something else that's really important for women who have named their angel babies 
is to never be afraid to say that baby's name. I think it, oh. it just makes a woman feel like her baby has not been forgotten when you're not afraid to say their name or to um, let them talk about their memory and maybe the hopes and the dreams they had for that baby because you lose a lot with a miscarriage and, and a pregnancy loss. You lose like the whole planning of that baby's future that you had in your mind, their name, what their nursery looked. I mean, just so many, I could go on and on and I'm not going to, but I think if people really want to help someone that has been through a miscarriage, just be in there for them. You don't have to say anything to fix it and just don't um, mm -hmm. because there, there is no magic word phrase or anything that is going to make it better. Yeah. And as someone who, who hasn't experienced that, but has, like, I, I try to be there for people. I, I will let people know, like, it is uncomfortable, especially if you're like me and you're a fixer and you, like, you just want people to be happy, especially people that you love. But, like, it's uncomfortable, but you, I have found at least that it takes some courage because you have to not think about yourself and that uncomfortability. Because it's not about you being uncomfortable. It's about your friend, your loved one, who is experiencing a huge loss. And I think, I mean, at least personally, when I'm able to forget myself and how uncomfortable it is because I can't fix it, because I have to just let them be sad, then I'm able to just really be there. Like it, it, it takes on this whole other level of like presence and depth in the relationship because I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just there. And I love that you have had somebody to give that to you because I know I, I just have seen how important that is, that is for everybody. And it's, it's just what people need. And it's so silly because we want to do something so grand, but it's just a simple shoulder. It's mm -hmm. so crazy. Yeah. Um, last question. What throughout everything that you have experienced, and I know you have a wide variety of experiences and crazy roller coasters with everything else that the military and life has thrown at you, but what through all of this has you, have you learned is your key to thriving? Wow. There's not really one special thing, but it's a multitude of things that really help me to thrive in this life. And it's a lot of things that I, um, four pillars of strength that I talk about on my blog. And it's, it's something that I wholeheartedly believe in helps you to thrive and helps you to become resilient. One of those is, um, fitness, getting moving and exercising, having a good sweat session. That helps alleviate a lot of stress. It helps with mental health and physical health. So fitness is definitely one. Faith, prayer, fervent prayer has helped me through some really tough times. And then um, being able to help other people, even just sharing the story um, and being able to share things to help others or volunteer and help other people. That helps you feel good inside and you're doing something good for others. And then um, just finding your purpose in this life. And that purpose definitely changes um, with your wherever you're stationed as you PCS and move. 
um, as your season in life changes, um, such as I'm in a season of motherhood now. So um, your purpose always changes in this life. So you just have to embrace it, go with it, and um, take the positive out of it. Oh, love it. And if you mentioned the blog, if people want to connect with you, where is the best place for them to do that? The best place is um, on Facebook at Strength, the number four, and Spouses. Um, Instagram, you're going to get a little more personal look at, at my journey. And that's the same mm-hmm. at Strength, the number four, and Spouses. And of course, I'm on Twitter, but I'm like everybody else, not really up on my Twitter game, but I'm there. <laughs> you, can, you can get a little bit of action from me there sometimes. But I um, would love to connect, and I really appreciate you having me on to share this story today. Of course. Again, I am, I am just honestly honored that you, that you were so willing to come on and share your story, because I, I know it's, it's something that people talk about, but it's also some people, something that some people can't talk about, but they need to hear. And I am, I am very grateful that you were able to, to be that for some people, because I know, I know how much it um, will help some other people. So Weeding Warriors out there, one, go, please show some love to Wendy. Thank her for what she's shared. Um, if you have also suffered this loss, feel free to connect with her. Um, obviously you can tell even just by the sound of her voice, she has one of those voices. that's like a big hug, you know, and that's how she is on online as well. Um, but two, I think one thing that I have learned every time I hear about a loss like this, especially with, with what you were saying, where women typically have to go back to work, like very quickly, you just have no idea what the person right next to you is going through. And I, I would just encourage everybody. Like I encourage myself, like just be kind because I mean, especially really, we should be good at this as military spouses. Like you never know who's who's just had a miscarriage. You never know who just sent off their husband for a deployment. You never know whose husband is having a really, really terrible shift and they never see their kids. Like you just never know. So we just need to be kind to everybody. Any last words, Wendy? Um, I guess just on the topic of, of loss and uh, infertility, trying to have a baby. If you're, if you're just going through a season of loss, I just want to tell you to hang on to that hope, hang on to your faith, and you will get through it. And if you're in the wait for a baby and you're waiting for your moment, I also want you to hang on to that hope because your time is coming and everybody's time is different. And, um, you know, God will find a way to make you a parent one way or another if that is a desire of your heart. So hold on to that hope and cling to that. Love it. Waiting warriors out there, you have a good week. And remember, just because it's hard doesn't mean it has to be miserable. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you. I really want to thank you for being here. 
I know how precious and important your time is. You don't have a lot of it, and I'm extremely grateful that you're spending your time here with us, the Waiting Warriors. I know that being a Waiting Warrior can be super isolating and lonely, so I hope you are feeling loved and supported as well. And I need to ask just one more thing. Can you share this podcast? I'm a firm believer that sharing is caring. So if you know another military or first responder loved ones, please share the podcast. The Waiting Warriors is a valuable resource and I really appreciate your help simply spreading the news. So if you could text an episode to a friend or just simply screenshot and share it on social media, it would honestly mean so much. So go do that and have a great week, guys.